0: My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hey friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair. And as you can see, we are in my sparkly, beautiful backdrop of my office. We want to do something different this week. Listen, there's a very special word that I want you to study. Now, when I looked this up myself, I kinda got shocked. I was like, whoa, no, that is not happening right now. Yes, it is happening, Annie. The word is stigma. And I call this stigma, enigma, and charisma. What is a stigma? Some of us are like, well, oh, that sounds like that thing that happened to Jesus. You know, on the cross, there was these things called the stigmatization things on his body. Well, actually, my friends, some of you Catholic friends out there anyway would know this because actually that is part of our definition. So number two definition is in Christian tradition, marks corresponding to those left on Jesus's body by the crucifixion said to have been impressed by divine favor on the bodies of St. Francis of Assisi and others. Wow, incredible friends. It actually has a relation to Jesus. Hold up, let's not go too far. Let's look at the real reason why we're talking about this today. Let's look at the number one definition according to the Oxford Dictionary. Number one, what is a stigma? A mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. The stigma of having gone to prison will always be with me. That's horrible, by the way, y'all friends, okay? Similar words are shame, disgrace, dishonest, dishonor, stain, taint, blot, blemish, I'm hurting reading these words, slur, mark, brand. This is not cool, y'all, okay? I had no idea that stigma actually was similar to these words. And this actually pains me, to be honest with you. Stigma is such an important word today because I looked and I researched this. You can do it yourself, but it has actually increased the past 50 years, and specifically not just with social media, but with television and movies. This is something people use to judge each other. It's a way to put people in different groups. Sometimes it could be called racism, sometimes it'd be called disequality. Whatever it is, us as human beings. And I'm being so transparent, my friends, right now. We need to talk about this. Yeah, you and me, we need to talk about this. Church, we need to talk about this. Yeah, you, I said it. Businesses, we need to talk about this. Government, we need to talk about this. Because guess what? This is hurting people. And this is exactly why I do what I do. But it's also exactly why I got trafficked, because of stigma. Let's dive deep, y'all ready? What happens to people that are stigmatized? What are the beliefs that go with this? It's a set of negative attitudes and beliefs that motivate people to fear, reject, discriminate against, and socially exclude people with mental illness. Now we could easily take that word, that phrase, mental illness, and we could put in there other, those people. You know those people. Hmm. You know those stripper girls. You know those whores down the street. You know those sluts. You know those teenage girls that actually didn't get raped. They wanted it. Those girls. Or let's do another one. You know the homeless people. Yeah, those people that are addicts. Those people that are like mental illness people. You guys, that's so unkind. And it's so stigmatizing. Did you hear the way that I said those words? Those addicts those alcoholics, those whores, those sex trafficking victims. Oh, oh yeah, we went there. Now I am humbled to the core because I have actually said that word over and over to describe people that have been trafficked. But my friends, I need to apologize to you. I need to ask for forgiveness because I've said the word addicts. I've said the word those people. And I'm talking about just words in general and describing even my own father. I called my dad an alcoholic. But I found out later in my life, guess what? My daddy actually had undiagnosed mental health issues that he never got help with. And so guess what my daddy did? He drank and he tried to drown his pain. I'm ashamed of myself. You guys, I'm being totally transparent right now. I called my dad an alcoholic. It's not fair because my daddy really wasn't. To be real honest with you, he's a person that struggled with depression, with mental illness, and he struggled with alcohol because he never got the help that he needed. Now we go in deep, my friends. We go in real deep now. I want you to really think hard. And yes, there's tears coming down my face right now because I have hurt people with my words and I didn't even realize it because, see, society teaches us to say these things and keep it like it's normal. Like this is a normal way to talk. Like this is how we treat people. This is what we say about them. But friends, words, it says it in the Bible. Words have power. Power of life is in the tongue. That's what it says. Mark my words. Look it up yourself. The power of life is in our tongue. Are we going to decide to bring words of life to people? Or are we going to choose words that describe them as people less than? Okay. Those pimps, those hookers, those whores, those sex industry people. How dare them? No, we're changing. <laughs> Y'all, let's go on a journey together. Right now, slangs and idioms is a cause of stigmas. Okay? Informal words describe as a presentation, such as addict or junkie or pothead. And phrases that describe representation but not deductible from the individual words, such as dirty urine or getting clean, can perpetuate negative stereotypes. We all know we just talked about negative stereotypes. I'm so sad right now, you guys. The consequences of stigmatization include marginalization and, in some cases, dehumanization. Dehumanization dehumanization. What is stigma and PTSD? Stigma occurs when others don't understand PTSD. They don't realize that PTSD is an illness, that it can be treated. They think that mental illness is your fault and that you need to just get over it. Annie, John, Susie, Sarah, Charlie, you need to just get over it. You've got mental illness. You're a mental illness addict. No, that is not cool, my friends. How about, we might need to say this, okay? We should say this. Hey, Susie. Hey, Annie. I see that you're struggling. I'm just gonna just offer you a ear. Would you like to give me a call later? Let's talk about it. I actually have resources to help you if you really want or I'll be a friend and lend my ear for you. Let's go to coffee. Let's go to dinner. That's a better way to respond to someone that's struggling. Very interesting. In With anxiety comes a lot of things. And part of the reason why people have anxiety is because they've been marginalized. They've been treated differently. They've been bullied That's how it happened to me, my friends. I never had nice clothes in school. I felt marginalized. Yeah, as a white girl, but I had that little ticket to eat food on lunch hour, and I hid it. So instead of me admitting that our family couldn't afford the lunch hour ticket, I would lie and say, I'm not hungry. And so I started to drive down a road in my life, anorexia nervosa. I started to starve myself because back then too, it was really in to be thin. So I thought it was so convenient just to hide my ticket or give it away to some kid that needed food or someone that was really hungry that I noticed would eat two pieces instead of one. I'd say, here, you want my ticket? And then I would just starve myself and smoke cigarettes during lunch, go outside. You hungry, Annie? No, I'm good. Smoking my cigarette, I got my bad Pepsi right here. I got my 50 cents I put in the thing to get it. And that's what I would do. Friends, let's take a break. This is heavy. This is a lot to talk about. This is a lot to think about. I really want you to look back on your own life. And I want you to remember the words you've said about people and even about yourself. Because the worst person that you can be signotized against is you. Calling yourself an addict, calling yourself a victim calling yourself a whore, calling yourself or saying, it was my fault. I made myself sexy and I made him rape me because I tempted him. No, it's not what it should be. It's not what happened. It wasn't your fault. You're not the addict. I'll be right back, friends. <laughs> Hi, Annie Lobert here, and I talk a lot about my story, and I relate it to a lot of the talks I have with my guests and my own little preaches that I do on this show, and I just wanted to inform you about my book that I wrote. This was my name when I was in the game, Fallon. My name was Fallon York, but this is Fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the Savior. Super simple. Go to our website, pinkchair.org. You can get your own book. This reads like a movie. But not only that, my friends, this shows you what sex trafficking is in our own backyard, the United States. It also talks about the Destiny House, a place and also the Dream House where we bring our victims of trafficking to turn them into victors of trafficking. Where they get trauma therapy they get stabilized from their terrible abuses they've been through and they have equine therapy art therapy they get their own personal trainer you guys name it they get it would you please go to pinkchair.org and click on donate become a monthly partner it's super easy to give up a coffee once a month isn't it or maybe a shopping spree wouldn't it be nice to donate that to our housing we have two houses and three apartments. Thank you so much for donating. I'm back. Annie's pink chair. And guess what? I am a movie star. I got my glasses on. I've been in a bunch of movies. Have you guys seen my stuff? I mean, it's pretty good, right? Like, you know, I'm just trying to make it in life. I'm just trying to make a good retirement. And I'm just trying to get famous. Hi, girl. Y'all, I just gave you representation of a movie star and what they might be thinking or maybe acting like. We can even stigmatize them and, and put them in another category and make them believe that they're less than. But you guys, people that act, people that work in the music industry, my husband's a rock and roll star, believe it or not. Yeah. And he's in a band called Striper. Look it up. His name's Oz Fox. I'm married to him for 14 years now there's a stigma that comes against people that are famous because a lot of people know them and so they think their their life is great and like they have everything that they need and they're just amazing and wow it's so great to be famous but in all reality people that get famous are very alone sometimes it can be very isolating it can be very gosh just separative it can be where they feel like they're so alone, like they have no one to talk to because everybody wants a piece of them. Everybody wants to use them and exploit them. It's kind of like trafficking in a way. It's really sad. Here's what can happen. The effects of stigma, and I'm including people that are famous, this can happen too. Internalization of negative beliefs, okay? You start to believe what you're hearing about yourself. You really believe it's true. Someone calls you an addict, I'm an addict. Someone says you're a whore, Uh, good, I'm a whore. My daddy, when I was very little, called me a whore when I was 10 years old. I'll never forget that. I actually started to believe it, which is really, really sad. Okay? And then low self-esteem, social isolation, hopelessness, shame, avoiding treatment because nobody wants to be stigmatized walking into a treatment center. Nobody wants to admit they need help. It's embarrassing. Pride comes into play. Worsening symptoms because we won't get treatment. We won't get help for any mental problems that we're facing. Any anxiety that we're facing. Any fears that we're facing. We won't get the help we need. Lack of criminal justice. Because you guess why you, you have lack of criminal justice? Because people don't believe we deserve to be redeemed. People don't believe the people that hurt us. Okay, let me just put it out there. Oh, she was just a prostitute. We don't need to get her help for the find out who Keller was. I mean, she was just someone we could throw away. Okay, now it got real, real. Yeah, I'm gonna get a little emo y'all right now because I'm that girl. I'm the girl you're talking about. I have been marginalized most of my life ever since I was a young girl that I got raped for the very first time when I was a young teenager I was exploited early on at age eight nine then I got raped as a teenager first time I was ever pregnant was a rape when I was in believe it or not yeah the place that gives abortions it starts with a p I don't need to say the name I don't want to get flagged the lady that was giving me the abortion she yelled at me and said it's your fault girls like you that this happens to promiscuous girls like you and as she was giving me the abortion by the way it was super painful I don't recommend it on anybody but I got raped and I just had no great decision making skills back then my brain was so young it was also full of complex trauma growing up as a child and I sat there while she was Killing my child, okay, my child out of rape, telling me what an awful person I was. If that's not stigmatization, I don't know what is, okay. Very sad. We have to really be conscious of what we say and how we say it. This is so important. What is the biggest cause of stigma in mental health? Stigma against people with mental illness has increased over the past half century and is still increasing. Multiple studies have also shown that the major cause of the stigma is the perception that some individuals with mental illness are dangerous. Or how about this? Girls that used to be promiscuous or girls that used to be prostitutes or girls that were sex trafficked, anyone that's been in the sex industry they're not good business managers. They're not good nonprofit, you know, executive directors or CEOs or founders. We don't know what we're doing because, you know, that's our past life. And we're not good managers of anything. We're not very smart, you know, because we got traffic. So what, how smart are we? We can't really run a business. Yes, there it is. We're dangerous. We're, we can't be good for anything, right? We're just no good to society. We're throwaways, right? We're just, you know, addicts. It is not cool that we talk like this. What we need to do is adopt person-centered language. Good example on this website that I found says, for example, instead of calling someone mentally ill, a more respectful people first way of phrasing it is to say a person living with a mental condition or words like addict or alcoholic and abuser put a strong emphasis on the person rather than the disorder, okay? It's not fair and it's not cool because you know what it says in the Bible? It says that when I become born again, I am a new creation in Christ. All old things have passed away and all things have become new. So if I'm a new creation in Christ, Jesus sees me a different way. God sees me as a brand new person. Guess what? We're supposed to see each other the same way, friends, the same way. Then we're going to go to how can we break stigmas? How can we reduce stigma and break it? Talk openly about mental health, such as sharing on social media. This is from the National Alliance on Mental Health. N-A-M website. Then it says, educate yourself and others. Respond to misperceptions or negative comments by sharing acts, facts and experiences. Be conscious of your language. Remind people that words matter. Like it says in the Bible, words have power. Encourage equality between physical and mental illness. Draw comparisons How that they would never treat someone with cancer or diabetes that way. Hello, hello. We can't treat victims of trafficking this way either. They were people, they're real human beings that were trafficked. They're not what happened to them, right? Show compassion to those that are stigmatized. Be honest about treatment. Normalize mental health treatment, just like any other health treatment. Normalize anything that's happened to us, right? Make it normal to go seek help when we need help out of trafficking. Let the media know when they are using stigmatizing language, presenting stories of mental illness in a stigmatizing way. How about stories of trafficking? And it's a stigmatizing way, not calling us prostitutes when we have no choice. Instead saying, hey, this person was victimized by a trafficker, someone that was abusing them. And then we go to choose empowerment over shame. Yeah, I am not shame filled. I am not ashamed of what happened to me. I am not afraid to tell my story Come on. What does it look like? What does this look like? For me, and this is my quote, you ready? Break stigma for me is when I talk about my life in trafficking with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and share what's happened to me. I don't accept guilt, shame, fear, weird looks. I'm going to get turned up, (laughs) y'all. As I share or someone not understanding when I leave the room, I make sure I am clear about what I believe about myself and others and who went through something similar as I did. It's not our fault. Can I say it to you, my friends? It's not our fault. It's not your fault. We are human beings who've been abused, but we're doing the best we can with what we have. That we also are human beings with you, sharing an experience, sharing this world. There needs to be understanding, empathy, compassion for those who are regarded as different or freaks or weirdos. That instead, we are overcomers, we are warriors, we are intelligent, we are superheroes for what we've been through. We are basic, bad, you know what? And anyone's negative opinion has no place in my space. You guys know what opinions are made of, right? Y'all know, right? Yeah, I thought so. And can just get the flip out, right? I am here. I'm an overcomer. I've overcome and I'm a victorious person because God loves me. No matter what, he sees my big, generous, beautiful heart and he loves me exactly the way that I am. Friends, last thing I want to share with you is the very best thing that you can do to break a stigma is to love. Love is our answer and love looks like this When we break stigma, I'm a Christian. I don't know if you are, it's okay if you're not, but because I'm a Christian, love looks like something, and this is what it looks like in stigmas. Being a safe person, being that person that's gonna listen to that person that's stigmatized. Being a friend first, not judging, not looking at them, inviting them to dinner, inviting them to coffee, being available for a crisis when they need you, not ignoring your phone, ignoring the text. Lending a hand when there's no help available. Or How about this? Lending a hand regardless if there's help available, right? And number five, accepting someone exactly where they are. No holes barred, no judgment. Loving them fully right where they're at unconditional love, number six, unconditional love. That means everything. Lastly, but not least, number seven, go to heaven. (laughs) Defending someone not as who they are, but what happened to them. What happened to them matters. The woman in adultery, okay? She wasn't the woman in adultery. She was a woman that got pulled out of a situation and thrown in front of Jesus, thrown at his feet. And he defended her and said to everyone there, if you guys, uh, huh, you haven't sinned, then uh, go ahead and cast the first stone. That's what he did. And guess what they did? They all humbly, quietly, by the way, walked away because Jesus defended the woman that got accused See, use that word, accused. She wasn't an adulteress. She was someone they accuse of adultery. I want to know where the guy was, by the way. Where was he? And then the woman at the well. That's it. I like that term better. The woman at the well. She was looking for water. She was looking for someone to hear her, to believe in her, to love her, to fill her up with love. You guys, this has been a great show today. I hope that you got something out of it. I want you to remember today when you are tempted to call someone a name or what you think that they've gone through is who they are. It's not the truth. They are a new creature in Christ. All things old in their life have passed away. They have become brand new. Give them a new name. No more stigmas. I love you guys. My name is Annie Lobert, and I'll see you next time on Annie's Pink Chair. Bye. My name is Annie Laubert and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too.